we do that together. Now, it is the 4th of July weekend, and uh, I want to show you a couple of verses here. Uh, notice in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, To rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is good, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And uh, I think people in our country are all over their place in their celebration of the 4th of July this weekend, right? And, and I want us to understand that we can have multiple emotions in our heart at the same time. That, that we can be very thankful for our country and brokenhearted over our country. We can have both of those in our hearts at the same time. Isn't that true with our families? I mean, are there things in our family that we're very thankful for, and yet we're brokenhearted about things in our family at the same time? And since most of us tend to get pulled down in life, the Bible says when we pray, it should be a sandwich. We should focus twice as much on what we have to be thankful for as what's broken. So, so notice this pattern of prayer. A good pattern in prayer is we start rejoicing. And it says rejoice when? Always. <laughs> and, and then pray without ceasing because there's always things about our family or country that break our heart. And then it also says, listen, to give thanks in all things. And how many people say, well, Smiley, if I just knew God's will for me. Well, here it is, Right? Isn't that what it says? Rejoice always. That's God's will for you. To pray without ceasing. That's God's will for you. And in everything, give thanks. And you say, well, Swana, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to pray, and, and I'll show you a way that you could rejoice always and pray without ceasing and in everything, give thanks. So let's pray. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We rejoice that this is the day you have made, and we will be glad and uh, rejoice. And it's a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you the sun came up, and, and there's air and warmth. And Lord, we rejoice today that our names are recorded in heaven. And Lord, we want to pray without ceasing. Our, our hearts are broken over many things we see in our nation as we have forgotten you. And Lord, we pray. We pray for revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Revive us. And we do pray for a great spiritual awakening in our land, a great turning to you. Lord, as we open your word today, Lord, teach us. Help us to all leave here more in love with Jesus than when we came. And Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for this freedom to worship you. Lord, we're thankful for so many in, in our military and so many police officers who've sacrificed so much and so many have laid down their lives that we could have this freedom. Thank you. And thank you for those that are serving. And Lord, thank you for cars to drive. And Lord, thank you that we have food to eat. And Lord, thank you that we have a place to gather together. Lord, help us to remember that we have much to be thankful for. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, we, we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we're reading, studying through a book together called Colossians. If, if you're a regular here, if you would turn to Colossians 3, um, we do believe the Bible is God's Word. Colossians 3, 20 and 21, children... Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, 
Do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Now, a really important question is, why do mother kangaroos hate rainy days? Because the kids have to play inside all day, okay? Okay, you finally say, say that's bad. It, it is bad, but listen, I got my shirt on again, fathers matter. You know why I'm wearing this? Because fathers do matter. I mean, sometimes if you're a dad, you think you don't matter. I mean, what happens in our homes? What do kids say to their mothers? You know, mom, I don't feel well. Mom, where are my socks? Mom, would you fix me a sandwich? And you know what kids say to dad? Where's mom? <laughs> Come on, that's all you got? Where's mom? <laughs> oh, and so this morning we're going to learn that fathers matter, and we're going to learn that mothers matter. Today's message is called uh, Gospel-Filled Families, Gospel-Filled Families, and and here's the point of today's message. Here's where we're going, that a gospel-centered family is full of grace and truth. Oh, where, where I'm aiming is that when we leave here today, that our families are filled with two things. They're filled with grace, and they're filled with truth. A gospel-centered family is full of grace and truth. Don't you long for your family to have grace don't you long for your family to have truth? That, that's why we're here today. If you're new, we're reading through the book of Colossians together, and it's all about Jesus. And if you'd like to know Jesus, we invite you to come and see him each week. We've been uh, opening up his word and getting to know Jesus together, and we'd love to have you with us. And so far in Colossians, we've learned that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And we've learned that when Jesus moves into us, his intention is to change everything in our lives. Not one thing. When he moves in, he wants to change everything, including our families. And so when Jesus moves in, he says, follow me, follow me. And we believe that Jesus is our model for life and ministry. So if we want to know what, what a gospel-centered family looks like, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how. The reason that gospel-centered families are full of grace and truth is because Jesus is full of grace and truth. Remember what we learned last week? Remember last week we turned to John chapter 1, verse 14, <clears throat> and we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is God the Son, that Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. Jesus is fully God and fully man in one person. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so when we look at Jesus, we see He's full of grace and full of truth. <laughs> Aren't both of those lacking in our culture? Don't we live in a culture that doesn't acknowledge the truth? And don't we live in a culture that does not extend grace to others? And when a culture denies truth, and when a culture does not extend grace, that culture becomes toxic, doesn't it? And the same is true in our homes. If we live in homes and our families do not have truth and do not extend grace, they're toxic. But when Jesus moves into our homes, and when Jesus fills our homes with grace and truth, then we can enjoy, we can enjoy being a part of a happily imperfect marriage or a happily imperfect family. Our families are happy, but they're very, very imperfect when they're full of grace and truth. 
And so last week, uh, we began by looking at how Jesus, uh, with looking at truth, but today we're going to look at grace, how Jesus wants to fill our homes with grace. He wants to fill our homes with the gospel. Now, uh, I want to show you a verse. Uh, It's in Isaiah 53, verse 6. Would you read the, the yellow part with me? Will you read it with me? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Read it with me one more time, will you? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The bad news of the gospel is we have an authority problem. We don't like authority. It starts in the home, right? That we don't want to obey our parents. We have an authority problem. And then it goes with us to school, right? We don't like it. We don't like our teachers. We don't like authority. And then it goes to our civil government. We don't want the civil government telling us what to do or the police. And then ultimately, we really don't like what? God's authority. All of us have an authority problem. That's what sin is. Sin is not about ignorance. Sin is about rebellion. We want to run our own lives. That's what's wrong in our homes. That's what's wrong with our country. We all have an authority problem, especially me. We have all sinned against God over and over again. And the Bible says what we deserve for that is what we deserve is hell. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, that Jesus came to seek and save rebellious. He came to save sinners. That God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then he went to the cross to die for our sins. You see, here's what Jesus did on the cross. Will you read the yellow part with me? But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. One more time, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. All our rebellion against the authority, all our sin was placed on Jesus. Um, when we see Jesus on the, dying on the cross, we realize, wow, our sin is way worse than we imagine. But we also see, too, what that God's love for us is so much greater than we ever imagined. So Jesus takes all of our sins upon himself on the cross, right? And he died in our place and cried out, it is finished. And then he rose on the third day. And and you know what Jesus offers us? Eternal life. He offers to forgive us because all of us, we all fail to obey our mother and father. Listen, he offers to forgive us because who hasn't failed as a mother or father or husband and wife? We've all sinned. He offers to forgive us. He offers us the chance to do life and eternity with him. He offers us grace. Do you know what grace is? It's not Jesus lowering the standard. But Jesus says, I want to move into you. I want to live my life in and through you, and I want to lift you to the standard. Do you need help in obeying your parents? Jesus says, let me in. Do you need help as a father fathering your children? Do you need help as a mother mothering your children? Jesus says, let me in, and I'll lift you to the standard. Um, So what does he require of us? In John 1, verse 14, um, or John 1, verse 12, he said, uh, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. What Jesus requires of us is that we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Uh, And if you've never done that, won't you do that? Well, Smiley, how do you do that? Well, it starts when we admit. And you can do that right now or when I close in prayer, I'll give you a chance, but we admit. Jesus, I didn't always obey my mother and father. I've not been the father. 
I've not been the mother you wanted me to be. I've sinned. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you admit? And then we believe. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And it's to say, to receive Jesus as Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me. Help. Help. Help me to obey my parents. Help me to father my children. Help me to mother my children. Won't you receive him? And if you have, if you have, I want you to know when Jesus moves in, he says, I'm Lord now. Follow me. Follow me. And to help us follow him, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. He says to children, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Follow him. He says to fathers. He says to mothers, look at Jesus. Follow him because Jesus is our model for life and ministry. So listen, if, if you're here today as children, here's the instructions that Jesus says, follow me. In verse 20, Jesus says, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how. I'll show you how to obey your father and mother. I'll show you how. <laughs> Listen, children, there's only been one good kid. There's only one, been one good kid in all of history. No, it's not you, and it's not me. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus was the only one who always obeyed his earthly father and mother. Not only did he obey his earthly father and mother, he even obeyed his heavenly father. Listen, Listen to what Jesus said in John 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. Uh, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So if you're a child and you love Jesus and he says, follow me, Jesus says, here's what it looks like to follow me. Follow me and I'll show you. I'll show you how to obey your father and mother. You do know what obedience is, don't you? Obedience is quickly and quietly and completely. That's what obedience is. And isn't that how Jesus obeyed his parents, wasn't it? I mean, when Jesus' parents said to him, clean up your room, he did it quickly. His parents didn't say, you better do it by the count of three. One, two, two and a half. No. Jesus obeyed quickly. Children, don't you want to follow Jesus? Don't you love him? Jesus obeyed quickly. He obeyed quietly. He didn't talk back to his mother and father. He, he obeyed. He said, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Listen, do you love Jesus? Do you want to follow him? Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how. Obedience is quickly. It's quietly. It's completely, it's not cleaning up half the room and stopping. It's finishing the job. Um, children, Jesus is our model for life and ministry. He says, follow me and I'll show you. I'll show you how. Now, I, I, know, I know sometimes you think you know more than your mother and father. He said, I actually did. 
But I obeyed, and you can too. Oh, children, be obedient to your parents in all things? Really, in all things? That needs to be our default as children. Jesus wants us to obey our father and mother in all things? Well, unless they ask us to do something that disobeyed God. I mean, if your parents tell you, burn the pastor's house down, don't do that. Don't do that, okay? So what does he call us to do? Jesus calls us to follow him by obeying our father and mother. That's what he calls us to, and then he tells us why. He tells us why. Listen, children, look beyond your parents and see Jesus. Now, I know your parents are flawed. I know that. That's why he says the reason we do it is not because our parents are so deserving. We do it because it's well-pleasing to the Lord. Oh, oh, this is what I give Jesus this is how I follow Jesus. I give my love to Jesus by obeying my earthly father and mother. Oh, oh. And um, children, just relax a little bit. God's going to speak to fathers too and mothers, okay? So now we move on from the children. Here's the truth. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Well, well why does he say fathers? Let me give you... A couple of reasons. The first reason he says fathers uh, is because there's no such thing as parenting. What? There's no such thing as parenting. Fathers father their children, and mothers mother their children. So Jesus says to fathers, follow me, and I will show you how to father your children. And Jesus says to mothers, follow me, and I will show you how to mother your children because mothers and fathers are not interchangeable. And children need a mom and a dad because they need mothering and fathering. So that's one reason he addresses fathers. Um, but the main reason is because the family is God's institution. Uh, and it's the basic building block of human society. Listen, the family isn't something that some men thought up as a way to enslave wives and children. It's God's institution. And so we come to God's Word to discover what a family is and what God's plan is for the family. So remember, remember last week we read verse 16, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you uh, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Uh, so, listen, we, we gather together as a church to discover God's plan for the family. And, um, and last week we learned that, that marriage is the permanent union of one man and one woman. And last week we learned that, that God has given sex to a couple, a married couple, to be enjoyed. And when people get married, then God says, enjoy sex and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And, uh, and we learn that God not only instituted marriage and, and the family, but uh, he gives roles. Well, if marriage is the permanent union of a man and woman, what's a family? A family is people related. It's people related by marriage or birth or adoption. That's what a family is. And God has roles for the different members in the family. Last week, we looked at verse 18, and we saw that God has a role for the wife. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. And we saw that God has a role for husbands. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be embittered against them. 
We see that God has a role for children. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And God has a role for fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. The husband is the head of the wife, and, and the father is the head of the family. What that means is when God wants to see how well his plan is being carried out in a family, he comes and he asks the father, how are you doing at implementing my plan in your house? Now, you might say, well, who made the husband the head, well, or the father the head? Well, well, well God did. And, and, but listen, listen, God wants the husband, the father, to lead like Jesus. He is an authority, but he's under another authority. Let me show you in Hebrews 13. Uh, now, this says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. It's talking about the importance as a Christian of belonging to a church. That if you're a Christian, you're incredibly capable of wrecking your life. So after you connect to Jesus, you, you need to find a church and join it so that people are watching over your souls. Now, I want you to know, I like the first part of this. See, I like your part of this. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Now, so far, I like this verse, okay? And now it really takes a turn that I'm not so crazy about, as those who will give an account. Listen, in churches, we have elders, and we have pastors, and they are the leaders. They oversee the church. But listen, what keeps me up at night is to realize one day I'll give an account. I'll give an account to God for the job I did in caring for your souls. And it's like that in the home. Yes, wives are called to be subject to their husbands. Yes, children are called to, to obey their father and mother. But the Bible says that one day the, the father will give an account of how he implemented the plan in his home. Uh, so let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Uh, now, going back to Colossians 3, I, I want to show you something. I saw a pattern that I hadn't seen before. Three times, last week, this week, and next week, three times God addresses a pair and every time he starts with the, the person who's called to submit or obey, and then he talks to the leader. Uh, let me show you that. In, in Colossians 3, verse 18, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So first, he addresses people. There is authority in the home. Wives, be subject to your husband. Then he addresses the authority, right? Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Then he moves from a husband-wife and he moves to parent-child, and he addresses the children first. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And, and then to the, to the father and mother, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. And then next week we're going to see in verse 22, slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. And then after he addresses the slaves, then he addresses the masters. In chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Uh, now what struck me is what was revealed first was what would have been agreed on in that culture. When it was said, wives, be subject to your husbands, at that time, no one batted an eyelash because they would have said, well, of course, 
But what shocked everybody when Colossians was first read was that husbands were to love their wives. When it was read in church that children were to obey their father and mother, no one batted an eyelash. They said, well, of course. But when it was said that fathers were to be involved in fathering their children, people were shocked. When it was read, when it was read that slaves were to obey their masters, no one thought anything about it. But when masters were told, remember, you two have an authority over you, people were shocked. And now it's exactly the opposite, right? I mean, we're not surprised that husbands are to love their wives, but we're shocked. What? When wives are called to be subject to their husbands. We're not shocked when fathers are instructed not to exasperate their children, but we're shocked when the Bible calls children to, to uh, obey, right? And so I want you to know the gospel that we love has always been at odds at every culture in certain places. The gospel has always been at odds with every culture in certain places. That place changes over time. But now let's unpack verse 21. Fathers. Now, <clears throat> fathers, Jesus says, follow me, okay, and, and, and I'll show you how to father your children, okay? I, I want you to father your children like I lead you. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Listen, don't be so hard as a dad that your kids just want to give up. Well, Smiley, what, what, what does that mean? Well, let me show you a parallel passage that will help. In Ephesians 6, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, now, in Colossians, it was do not exasperate your children. Here it's do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, how do we provoke our children to anger? We, we provoke them when we under-discipline our children or we over-discipline our children. Uh, as you look around our culture, what do you think is a bigger problem today? <laughs> do you know I've been at this, I think, for like 40-something years? Do you know how many families I've met that I thought over-disciplined their children? One. In 40-something years, I, I thought I met one family that fell off the cliff of over-disciplining their children, but many, many more. Listen, we under-discipline, right? We provoke our children to anger. We exasperate them when we under- or over-discipline them. And also when we fail, when we fail to instruct our children. Um, now, we're given here what the goal is of a Christian family. What our goal is is to pass on our faith. We're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I want you to know I love sports, and I love track, and I love the 4 by 100 relay because there's a bunch of guys on the track, and you have to exchange the baton in the midst of chaos in a really short space. And I think... That, to me, is what it means to be a father or mother. We have a very short time to pass on our faith. There's chaos happening all around us, and we don't want to drop the baton. We have to very carefully receive the baton of our faith and pass it on, right? Isn't that what we want most? And it says there's two key parts. There's discipline and instruction. So let's start with discipline. Why do we discipline our children? In Proverbs 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. 
The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. The reason we discipline our children is our children are born foolish. Well, what does foolish mean? Children are born thinking, I will be happy in life if I can always have my own way. I will be happy in life if I can always have my own way. There's another word for that. It's sin, right? The children are born foolish. I will be happy if I can always have my own life way. And, and the purpose of discipline is to teach our children that having your own way does not lead to happiness. It leads to pain, and ultimately it leads to death. The purpose of discipline is to drive out foolishness because we have to drive out foolishness before we can build in wisdom. Um, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from it. Well, Smiley, you don't believe in spanking, do you? Who cares what I believe in? Right? Who cares? What's important is what? What's important is what does God's Word teach? And if you're a parent, I would really just ask you the question, who will determine your parenting, being your fathering and mother? Will it be our culture or will it be the Bible? It's your choice. But I would encourage you, if you're a Christian parent and you're a follower of Jesus, you would just pick up the book of Proverbs. Just pick it up. It's the best book ever given on fathering or mothering, ever. Way better than any other book that you'll read. And just read. Just read what, how God teaches fathers to father. And read how God teaches mothers to mother, okay? So the purpose, the purpose of discipline is to drive out foolishness because you have to drive out foolishness before you can build in wisdom. And that's what it means that we want to bring our children up back in Ephesians in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're disciplining to drive out the foolishness so we then can build in wisdom. Ah, following Jesus. Following Jesus. That's the way to an abundant life. That's the way to an abundant life. Not having your own way, going Jesus' way. That's the way. That's the way. Oh, what a great parenting verse, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In that exchange zone, that narrow exchange zone in this relay race with all the chaos, we want to pass on what? That Jesus is the way. Listen, he's the only way to be forgiven. He's the only way to eternal life. Believe in him. He's the truth. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Follow him. He's the life. He's the one who brings life that's abundant and eternal. Follow him. Well, Smiley, how do we do that? Huh? Doesn't Jesus say, follow me and I'll show you? You know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't say, here, go do that. He says what? He says what? Follow me, doesn't he? Um, isn't that what it means to, to father your children, isn't it? Follow me, isn't it? Isn't that what it means to be a mother, isn't it? Follow me. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 1, uh, I, I love what Paul, here's Paul's idea of leader, that a good leader is a good follower. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Paul took one hand and he grabbed Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then he took his other hand, and he grabbed people, and he said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Oh, dads. And moms. Um, will you go first? Will you? 
Do you want your children to believe that Jesus is the way? Will you go first and say, Jesus is my Savior and Lord. He is my only hope. Will you go first? (laughs) Do you want your children to believe Jesus is the truth? Will you go first? Will you say, when Sunday comes, our family will be in church so that together as husband and wife and parent and child, we can sit together under God's word because truth matters? Do we show our children we're a part of a small group and we love to gather with others and open God's word together because Jesus is the truth? When our children get up in the morning, do they see we're having breakfast with Jesus because we believe the Bible is all about Jesus? Will we go first? Will we open the Bible at our table and read Scripture and talk to our children about the things of God because Jesus is the truth? Oh, Will we model for our children that Jesus is the life? He doesn't help us get the life, that he is the life, that following Jesus is the abundant life, will we? Um, So what have we learned? We've learned that a gospel-centered home is full of grace and truth. And so we've looked at truth, haven't we? That children are to honor their father and mother and that fathers and and mothers are to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we've seen grace, right? Right? Aren't you thankful for grace? <laughs> that we've all failed and, and Jesus forgives us and Jesus moves into us and day by day as we look to him, he, he's lifting us. He's lifting us to the standard, right? Uh, so here's, here's the action step for this week. I, I want you to please the Lord, to please the Lord. And I want you to know it comes right out of this passage, right out of this passage, right? Um, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So children, Jesus is saying to you, do you love me? If you do, listen, follow me, and I'll show you. I'll show you how to obey your mother and father quickly and quietly and completely. And listen, do it not because your parents are so great, but do it to please me. Will you? Will you say, Jesus, help me? Jesus, help me to obey my mother and father. Help me to do it to please you. And and fathers, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Fathers, mothers, Jesus says, listen, follow me. Follow me and I'll show you how. I'll show you how to father your children, how to mother your children, how to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction. Follow me. Won't you say, Lord, help. Help. Help me. Help me to father my children. Help me to mother my children. Help me to bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Help me to please you in all things, will you? To please the Lord. Let me ask you, who do you know? Who do you know who would love to hear what you were taught today? Won't you go and share with them? Won't you? Hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? We learned that when Jesus moves into our family, he fills that family with grace and truth so that together we can enjoy a happily and perfect family. This week, maybe you're a young person and someone's talking about how crazy their parents are. Or maybe you're talking with a mother and father and they're talking about how impossible it is for them to father and mother their children. Won't you just say, hey, can I share with you what we learned? Can I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? We learned that when we invite Jesus 
into our homes and into our hearts. He fills our homes with grace and truth. And when homes are filled with grace and truth, anyone, even we, can enjoy a happily imperfect family. Um, Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for obeying your father and mother. Thank you for showing us how. Thank you for obeying your heavenly Father. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And thank you for rising. And thank you for offering us grace and eternal life. And listen, if you're here today and you failed and and, and you'd like to be forgiven, you need help, won't you receive Jesus? He's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and be my Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Way to go. Jesus, I pray for those who've received you that you would fill our hearts, that you would fill our homes up with grace and truth, that we would leave here today with a better understanding of your plan for our home. And Lord, that we would leave here with you lifting us to the standard. Lord, I pray that children would leave here saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me to obey my father and mother and please you this week. And Lord, that as fathers and mothers, we would leave saying, Lord, help Help us to father, help us to mother, help us to raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Help us to please you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.